three, two, one. Hello. Hello. It is Tony I'm looking for. I can see it in your face. <laughs> I wish that I could fly to space. Would you go to space? No. Really? I was thinking about this recently. I would not go to space. Like like on Blue Origin or whatever it's called? Like only, and I, I know this is ableist, but only able-bodied people would dream of going to fucking space. No, because first of all, I'm disabled and I just said I wanted to go. Oh, sorry that I just ignored you. Um, but second, wouldn't it be cool to know what it feels like to be in no gravity? Well, I know what it feels like to float in water and so do you. And that's a fine proximity. I would try it. I think maybe it's easy to say that I would try it because like, I'm never going to try it. I feel like the deafening silence of space would just freak me the fuck out existentially. No, you would go, you would be in like a a spaceship. They wouldn't just eject you beside Mars. I I just pictured myself being like George Clooney, just floating in orbit of some rock and Sandra Bullock is huffing and puffing beside me. Oh, so you're in a movie. Yeah. And that's the only thing really keeping me invested in this whole thing, you know, Sandra Bullock and gravity. Because, you know, she's great in that film. What would your role in the movie be? (laughs) I don't know. I don't want to go to space. I do want to go to the planet Solaris and and not colonize it. Just hang out in its orbit and ask it what's going on and how life is. How would you get there if you didn't go to space? (laughs) Fuck off, Tony. (laughs) Okay, fine. I guess guess there's a couple things I could do in space. Happy? (laughs) all i ever wanted was to convince you that you wanted to go to space (laughs) but seriously can i finish my joke oh i honestly thought you were being serious (laughs) no i said only able-bodied people would fucking have daydreams of going to space because they're like oh well we we climbed stairs and we went up mountains and we like went spelunking and that didn't kill us so let's go float around in a fucking unaccommodating vacuum is that is that how you picture able-bodied people talking totally antithetical to like life or whatever i'm just gonna like get myself out of bed today (laughs) yeah tomorrow i'm gonna wake up at the top of a bunk bed because i'm able-bodied and i won't fall when i sit up over the side of it i'm gonna put my own pants on yeah, I like the idea of climbing a small ladder first thing in the fucking morning because I don't even have to think when I move my big toe. <laughs> so there's no resentment coming from you. No, no, not at all. I love those people. They're so rational. Those and, people. Yeah, and they don't take anything for granted ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is your space? Like, as a disabled person. Because you're like, oh, "Oh, I I only go to space because I've already been to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. But what is your space? What is, like, a thing that I do that is irrational, but I need to do it because... Because you've already... Wait, first of all, what is your Mount Everest? Something you've already done that nobody thought was humanly possible for you as a wheelie. Oh, I... Like at the peak of my uh, cardio regimen, I could walk about three kilometers in my walker. Damn. That was so pretty awesome. So what space for you then? 
Oh, space for me. Four kilometers? Yeah, four kilometers. Or like maybe I could like bike like a five mile race alongside one of my coworkers. I have a coworker who's who's like like on an actual bike. Like a recumbent bike. Yeah. I'd strap my feet in. I'd pedal away for like nine thousand years because it would that's how long it would take. What if you went to like spin class? No, I'm not going to spin class. I can't use like I can't use a normal uh, stationary bike. It needs to have straps. Do you have a specialized stationary bike? I do. I had my orthopedic therapist like retrofit the pedals with like straps. That's the only difference? Yeah, it's the only difference. Well, that's pretty... I feel like you could just bring some duct tape. Well, I I don't think you can like... I think it's like a permanent modification because you have to like drill it into the pedal. Or, well, they also have... Uh, I feel like I got really loud for this, but they also have um, these like clip-on shoes that you wear. Yeah, they have those for biking too. I know, but those those clip-on shoes like like make assumptions about where you put the majority of your like weight or your power or right. whatever when you push your foot. So it's like for me, like I have to push off the back of my heel, and like those clip-on things are usually like on your toe, and then so if if I'm like pedaling from my toe. It like hurts my ankles because I have like paper ankles that are like very brittle and shitty. You know what I'm saying? Pankles? Yeah, pankles. Pankles. Yeah, yeah. They're just like, you know, uh, uh, Mr. Glass from from the Unbreakable Universe? Yeah. Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, that's basically my ankles. Yeah. The, I actually once was consulting on a project. Uh-huh. For a client who wanted to use a stationary bike, but they wore AFOs. So their ankles were like fixed in place. Yeah. And it's remarkable how much ankle movement you need on a bike. Yeah. You need like full ankle range, basically. Yeah. So there's probably a solution to this that makes total sense. It's just that there aren't any like, you know, very savvy cerebral palsy bike engineers out there like manufacturing these fucking things there's probably not a great market but like i mean if all you need is velcro i'm a good market am i not yeah that's true if you if you can commit to buying every bike on the assembly line (laughs) yeah right yeah I, i do it in order to say that i like went to space you know like my equivalent space so your equivalent space, just to recap, yeah, is just you going on a recumbent bike for five miles. For five miles, yeah, biking alongside Grod. Do you remember my friend Grod? Yeah, his actual name is Jeff. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to bike with Jeff. That's cool. I'm sure you could make that happen. You could just do like a VR situation at the very least. Oh, VR. Oh, VR. Tony, what's that supposed to mean? That's not real. It's virtually real. <laughs> virtually. Can I tell you a story about Grod? Can we stop calling him by Grod and just call him Jeff? Yeah, sorry. It's just that's the first name. That's my term of endearment for him. Okay, Grod. That's actually his gamer tag that he uses on Rocket League. I'm I'm totally just like digging a ditch of, of nerdiness right now. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Is this a story that he wants everyone to know? I would think that he would. Yeah, this is nothing truly compromising. I'm not okay. going to talk about his like you know, biking manscaping regiment or like shout out to Grod. I haven't chatted with him in a while. I know. I miss I, I miss Grod. 
Yeah, me too. Yeah. Oh, so anyway, my this is a a coworker friend of mine. He's like six foot seven, like super super duper tall, and he's like the gentlest and friendliest of human beings. Like he's one of those people where you only have to be in his aura for like ten seconds to realize that he like is ornately kind. And for whatever reason, it's not cheesy. Like it's the kind of vibe that you uh, th- that is nice to be around. Well, it's genuine, right? It doesn't, it's not forced. Yeah. And, you know, he's always ready to laugh and very friendly and approachable. And in like workplace scenarios, when you're talking shop, you're mutually trying to solve a problem. And he happens to be the smartest person in the room for the, for the particular problem that you're trying to solve. There is little to no arrogance ever in how he carries himself, which is kind of a rare quality to have in a person like in the tech sector. I just really like him for a variety of reasons, but also I love joking around with him. And he, like when we first met, he used to tiptoe around disability a lot. And so I would do things to kind of deliberately like nudge him outside of his comfort zone. And maybe that's not necessarily all that fair. You know, I'd make jokes about about my chair or, you know, all the requisite like uh, self-deprecating jokes we always make in order to, diffuse the situation why would that be unfair well i i know that we're trying to get to a point where we are, we work past like using these social strategies i don't know like I, I don't think there's anything wrong with sort of showing people that it's okay to laugh yeah i agree like that's the same like even if you're not disabled someone makes a self-deprecating joke about whatever thing their height their structure their hair whatever yeah I don't think it's a social faux pas as long as you can be empathetic when you're making a joke. Anyway, Grod and I were joking around the other day that um, uh, because when we were working on site, I used to get him to drive my power chair a lot because I'd have to transfer out of my power chair to get into his truck to go for lunch together. And so I would always bring the chair all the way out to his vehicle instead of getting out in the office and getting into a manual chair and going out to the car because I wanted him to have to drive the chair back into the office yeah. and to always have that moment with our other coworkers where they wonder what the fuck Jeff is doing in my chair. And like, and plus he likes to drive it and, and whatnot. And he has like, you know, he's like a very tall guy, but he can still fit in the cab because he's super skinny. That's a weird detail. But anyway, um, um, so we came up with this joke where like the next time we have like a department wide meeting and the CTO, like like the chief technology officer is like at the table, like the big head honcho who, you know, forecasts what the entire department is going to do over the course of the next quarter or the next year or whatever. The next time they're at the table, like I, I thought it would be fantastic if like Jeff showed up to the meeting before me in my power chair and he had like his like knuckles were a little bloodied and he looked disheveled and he just said like sorry guys jamie's gonna be a few minutes late (laughs) (laughs) jeez that took such a dark turn (laughs) sorry yeah no the the story was like all these extraneous details about how heartwarming your friendship with Jeff is. But that's why it's funny because then the, the suggestion is that he, like him and I got in a fist fight and he won. And then he stole my chair and it would be totally out of character for Jeff. 
<laughs> it would be funny if that's like the prize for beating you up is you get you get your chair yeah and i get like demoted or something he just puts you on like one of those you know those like scooter boards you get in gym class yeah tony do you think i have to work on removing extraneous details from my stories yes really yeah oh so you think we're gonna have to edit all those nice things that i said oh no we're keeping it all in Okay, okay. I think it, like they're they're nice details, but like okay. it, it, you, if you were making a movie, uh-huh. it would be six hours long. It would be bloated. Yeah, it would be like um, it would be like you go to the theater, you watch a three-hour movie, and then they're like, "Please proceed to the box office to pick up the tickets for the rest of the movie and come back tomorrow." It's just that I like I like world building, you know. Yeah. And so, also, by the way, sometimes you exploit it by asking me to elaborate on an extraneous detail. Yeah, I'm not going to stop doing that. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess you'll be super excited the next time I have a, a bathroom renovation or something like that. What's What's going on in your life, Tony? Nothing. I mean, I right before we started recording, I went through a pretty hilarious process that I wish I could have recorded. Um, I had to uh, upload some verification photos of myself. So I I took a picture of my passport. I didn't think OnlyFans needed verification photos. For sure, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, so when I was setting up my OnlyFans account, (laughs) um, they asked for verification, and I naturally used my passport, (laughs) which seems like the appropriate piece of information to use for OnlyFans. (laughs) And there was a process where they ask you to take a selfie that matches the photo. Like they they just want to confirm that you're not using some other person's photo, right? Oh dang. And what happens if your headrest is not in the right position or something like that? So basically I had to go up to the screen on my computer try to center my face in the box. And then it kept just being like, move closer, move closer. <laughs> and I was like, as close as humanly possible to my webcam. So then I got like a thing, zoomed in my webcam. As close as humanly possible or as close as tonally possible? Yeah, as close as, like I had to move stuff around, which is why the lighting right now is bizarre. Oh, that oh, so it did change. So that's okay. I'm not wrong. Yeah, well, the lighting didn't change, but the position that I am in front of the camera changed. Right. Because I had to move stuff around to get as close as I could to the camera. I was trying to say that you looked strangely evil today because of the shadows over your eyes, but then you you. just looked at me like I was crazy. Yeah, I was going to, I wanted to tell you. (laughs) Oh, I get it. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> all right keep telling me so so then i don't even know how to describe what it was asking me to do but it said okay great you've now positioned your face in the, the box that we wanted in now mm-hmm. move your head in a circle oh what an asshole yeah imagine if it was a human being like behind the like the counter being like okay now move it a bit more yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's not working. Move it again. <laughs> I, I had to go through this process six times. 
because it kept being like, we couldn't verify your identity. Please try again. Oh my God. Eventually, I just faked it. Like when it was like, tilt your head back. I just tilted my chair. Oh, and then it was like, turn your head to the left. And I just turned my chair. But it, it would have been um, pretty fun for you to see. That just sounds like um, the perfect inaccessible user experience for you. Did I ever tell you about getting my passport photo? No. Oh, it's a great story. Jesus, it really shouldn't be adventurous at all, but go ahead. It was. I was expecting it to be an adventure. Why? Well, because like it's not. So I showed up to a shopper's, like uh-huh. the drugstore, the pharmacy. What street? And, what? What street were you on? Yeah, nice try. <laughs> I go in and I'm in front of this like white, you know, the passport photo thing. And they're like, they, they grab the camera and they're just like, yeah, I don't think it's going to work. Do you mind trying it at Staples? They Fuck probably off. are better equipped at Staples no. to handle this. But to handle what? You? Yeah, me. Wait, wait, don't tell me. Don't tell me you just went to Staples. What was I going to do? Like fight with them? <laughs> yeah. Run over their toes. Tell them to fuck off. And everyone's just waiting in line to like, you know, get their prescriptions or whatever. No. I went to Staples. Excuse me. If they're an accessible venue, like on a busy street in Ottawa, you would assume that they would deal with some elderly people in wheelchairs from time to time. You're saying I'm elderly? No, but I'm saying like, I'm saying they probably haven't had many disabled people because, you know, we're not that many, but they should have had somebody in a wheelchair at some point. Yeah, I'm sure they did. But I didn't want to deal with the whole, I didn't want to, what is the male version of Karen? I didn't want to be that. What is the male version of Karen? Yeah. Good question. Chad? No, Chad is when you're like a a bro. Yeah, Chad is like the incel dude. A male version of Karen. I don't know. There is one, but I'm not thinking of it. Is there a Ken? Ken? No, Ken is like a a, a himbo. Himbo? Yeah. Oh, maybe himbo. What's a himbo? Like, was it was it a douchebag, like, early 20-something with two brain cells? What's a himbo? A hi- it's it's like, you know the word bimbo? Uh, yeah, himbo. There you go. Karen and bimbo are not the same thing. No, they're not. A, a, a Karen is like a... Anyway, we've derailed. So, I go to Staples. I'm mad that you went to Staples. I'm like, can you just put my face on the photocopier? I get there, they're like, yeah, yeah, no problem. We can help you. Why is Staples more inclusive? They're so inclusive that they're like, actually, you're not allowed to have your headrest in the photo. Suck my dick. And I was like, wait, first of all, when is anyone going to see me without my headrest? Yeah. Like, if I'm getting pulled over at the border and they look at my picture... And they're like, what is this thing behind your head? Like, you know. So they, so w- would you say, like, if you're going to take away my headrest, then you have to fucking hold my head up, baby. That's exactly what I said. I was like, okay, that's fine. But someone's going to have to hold my head. And they're like, okay, yeah. But we can't have our hand in the picture either. What the fuck? What do you think Staples ended up doing? Conceding and letting you use your headrest. Of course not. No, wait, wait, wait. Wait, hold on, hold on. They didn't like ask you to like back up your chair such that it was against the wall, and then you just rested your head against the wall. No, it, I was 
I was up against the white backdrop that they used. Did they use like a stack of like uh, 11 by 17 paper in some inventive way? The guy, the himbo, gets on the horn and he's like, we're going to need help at the passport office. Can someone please bring Bristol board? Please bring some white Bristol board. No. So they they went to um the Bristol board aisle, grabbed a sheet of white Bristol board, took my headrest off. There's a guy behind me holding my head up like a puppet. This is not okay. None of this is okay. And then they shove the Bristol board in around the back of my head and then hold my head up to take the picture. Then they take the picture, they give it to me, and they're like, yeah, this didn't turn out very well. I'm not sure if the government's going to accept it. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do that whole process again. (laughs) So I was like, just give me the photo and I'll send a letter with my photo. Uh, How is what they did not assault of some kind? Good Lord. I think, I don't, the thing, it doesn't make sense to me because people wear like, you're never going to see me without my headrest. Like that whole story feels like a Mr. Bean skit that you just didn't consent to. Let me show you the end result. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh no knowing this story is just devastating wait so there was bristle board behind your head and then somebody like held their arm out for your head to lean against how did they hold your head and hold the bristle board the bristle board was like they're wearing it like a glove they had like wrapped the bristle board around their hand good lord they were holding my head up with by the way this whole time I'm laughing so hard because <laughs> it's so funny to me. Please tell me you were with friends when this happened. You weren't alone. No, I went alone because I, I, I was in a rush. I needed to get it done. For I needed the passport for something. <laughs> Tony, can I come with you next time? You have to get your IDs replaced. Actually, I did. A friend ended up like randomly seeing me there, and they just kind of sat back and watched. But they acted like they didn't know me because they didn't want to, like, be warped into helping. They just wanted to, like, be a spectator. That happened to me one time when I uh, flew to Ottawa from the airport in Thunder Bay. The thing is, I didn't blame the person. His name was Gab Harpel from high school. And I saw him in uh, in the airport, in the airplane. And they had, <clears throat> they had like, tethered me to that Hannibal Lecter um, uh, aisle wheelchair apparatus. And like, basically they have two pieces of bungee cord, like strapped across your body and you just sit in this thing helplessly. And then they tilt you back and push you down the aisle. And then when they find your seat, they dump you into the seat and they ask you how you're feeling and uh, ask you if you want peanuts. And then they fuck off. And Gab saw me in the middle of being transferred like a criminal. And so he, he was laughing And and I laughed too, because fuck, it's fucking ridiculous and I'm so glad that other people witness it and think the same, even if their response is to laugh. No, it's definitely like one of those things where I always want to be like, I would rather just, I, I, I would rather just sit there and watch this happen. It looks, it must look absurd, but also yeah. like, it's funny that at no point where they just like, you know what, I think we can just leave the headrest on. Yeah, or like because they were all just executing their their uh, bureaucratic uh, 
mandate to take the picture in a particular way. And there's probably some kind of fine print that grants an exception to people who literally cannot move their fucking head, but they just didn't know. So they're just like, we have to go through whatever tedious process to, you know, make sure that you oblige with the rules. Part of me was fine with it because I knew that it would end up being a hilarious memory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Passport photo done. Yeah, yeah. And it would be way more entertaining than just some banal story about. And then I went and took my passport photo at Staples. But that is that's a product of experience, right? Because you've been through other situations where, you know, some due process has required you to go through something absolutely ridiculous because they haven't figured out how to accommodate you. And so you're just like, oh, this will be funny because it's similar to another time when this happened. Exactly. Yeah, you know you're going to be at the mercy of whoever. And Like if I had gone to shoppers that day and it was another person working there, maybe they would have been like, yeah, yeah, we can handle this. But it was just the person who was working there happened to be like, you know, just not experienced enough, not comfortable with the idea of going through the steps necessary to get it done. Yeah. It's like some hungover 21-year-old kid in 2012 listening to Dane Cook on their iPod and you come in and they're like, fuck, I don't want to deal with the disabled guy right now. I'll just tell him to go to fucking Staples. So I did. And here's the picture. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Oh, wow. See the Bristol board? You look like the subject of an American justice episode. It looks like they just toothpicked my eyes open and I'm actually a corpse lying on the ground. <laughs> yeah, it really does. So I had to send a picture, or sorry, I had to send a letter with this picture explaining <laughs> what I just went through, praying that they wouldn't dock me points. Because, you know, it does, they did say there's a good chance they're not going to accept this because the Bristol board is blocking part of your face. Yeah, yeah. It looks like you look scared. There's a note of fear in your eyes. Well, they do tell you, like, they coach you a lot on, like, because at this point I was laughing so much. Yeah. They were, like, appreciating that I was finding it funny. But then when they take the picture, they tell you, like, you, you, you can't smile. You really do look like the subject of a true crime documentary. Yeah, this is like, if I ever commit a heinous crime, (laughs) this is the picture that's going to (laughs) be blasted all over Canadian media. Yeah, like, who did you murder, like, the moment before this picture was taken? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I was just reliving that moment while trying to recreate this pose (laughs) in this application online because they said you know take a selfie and make it look the same as the picture that you used what did you not call attending care and be like can someone come over and help me take a selfie to be honest part of me kind of enjoys like seeing how people are going to deal with it i feel like it's like a good social experiment it's also like good for people to just trial by fire i remember a completely separate story one time I was going to a wedding and I needed a new uh, suit jacket. So, you know, obviously I could have brought a friend, 
to help me try on suit jackets. Oh, you, you went by yourself? But I decided to go to a tailor on my own and just be like, I'm going to need some help. Tony, that's downright mischievous. Well, I was also like, because think about it. It's not, I, I get what you're saying. It does seem mischievous, but also... It's so funny, though. If I was going to ask a friend, it would have delayed me days, right? Because then yeah. we have to coordinate a schedule. We yeah. have to coordinate a time to go. We have to go there together. And it's just like a whole ordeal. I was actually already at the mall because I, I went to the mall to get my hair cut. Uh-huh. And I was like, I should just hop in and see if I can get a suit jacket real quick. So you found like like the head manager of... Uh, I don't know, Le Chateau or something. And you, like the guy actually helped you get fitted for a suit jacket? I went in and I'm just like, hey, I'm looking for a suit jacket. And at first I'm like, yeah, yeah, no problem. What size are you? And I'm like, not sure. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And then you laughed? <laughs> no, I didn't want to, because I don't want to make it seem like I'm making a fool of them. You know, it's just like, I want to garner some empathy because I do need their help and I'm not as mischievous as it seems. I am I do need a suit jacket and I don't have help right now. Right. Okay. Before you continue, can I suggest a, an idea? Bring someone? No, no. Like I was just thinking this would be a fun premise for uh, a YouTube channel where we go and attempt to receive above average customer care from people in service jobs oh i've thought about this a hundred percent yeah just being like uh yeah hey do you mind just you know like remember that video that went viral a few years ago man feeds a woman in a mcdonald's or something i think i heard of it but i never watched it because it sounds really uh, like it would make my stomach turn well you don't need to watch it because the video is man feeds woman in mcdonald's or something Oh, that's what it is. It's, it's literally just a video of a guy who stepped out behind the counter and is feeding a man because he needed help to eat. That's nice. Yeah, it's very nice of him. And the video went viral because we needed some inspiration porn at the time, societally. I feel like you're drawing comparisons here. Well, <laughs> I don't want to brag, but I also needed help. Yeah. And yeah, but I mean, like, it would be great if, if we had the clout and we could start this channel and then we we ask for simple things, not like not like overly, you know, mischievous or tongue in cheek. Yeah, like, I, I think you should start simple and then you yeah. just gradually see what you can get away with. Well, yeah, yeah. You like you push it for the sake of entertainment, but you always uh, you counter by like tipping them heavily, like when the job is done afterwards. Yeah, because I, like I, I honestly think that you know uh, retail is is so awful and demoralizing. To be fair, I probably gave them a story too, right? Like they probably sure. felt great, and I, I know that sounds pretentious and arrogant, but they probably did feel good that they were able to leave the day feeling like they helped me get a jacket. Yeah, you're not the type where they would feel bad afterwards. I don't think they felt, well, maybe they felt like, oh man, I wish he had that attendant. He must be so lonely. Maybe they felt pity for me. You don't look like a lonely wheelie. You look like you, you look like people pop, pop in your DMs a lot. What do you think a lonely wheelie looks 
think? I don't know. Like like mall wheelies look really lonely sometimes. But I was literally a mall wheelie that day. <laughs> you were. But you were shopping. I'm talking about the, the mall wheelies that like loiter in the cafeteria area. No, I was loitering at Taylor. Well, that's not loitering because you were literally a paying customer. Well, they had to work hard for my business. <laughs> Oh, so, so I good. show up and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I don't know what size I am. Do you mind if I try one on? And they're like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, what do I need to do? And I, I remember thinking in my head, what am I doing? This is insane. But I just, I was like, you know, I've already jumped off the cliff at this point. Just follow it through. And there's, I also kind of felt accomplished at the end of it, knowing that I had done it you know that i like independently went to a store picked out a jacket and bought it without any help i used to feel that way at the end of every work day when i uh worked for accenture because it was so hard to to take the bus to work for an hour every day and to get lunch every day and to do the job that i had to do every day and then get home and have dinner and you know lay out my clothes make sure they were, you know, pressed and dried and clean, ready to go and just do it every fucking day. Like it was the, the, my ritual proved to me that I was capable and I loved that, but I was also burnt out very, very quickly. Right. Yeah. Because there's, there's a lot of mental overhead Mm -hmm. to try to get all of your ducks in a row. Yeah. But there's some, like, there's a bunch of things that I just, innately assume that I cannot do one of which is actually driving even though I drive a power chair every day and I drove a three-wheeled scooter for four years I assume I'm terrible at driving and so I've, I've like excluded it from the from my potential and there's probably a whole bunch of other things I just assume cannot be part of my life and then there are times in your life when you contradict your own assumptions about your potential and it's so amazing it's like the best feeling ever you just force yourself you're like just do it you know like i could have easily talked myself out of it yeah and been like you know i'm not gonna be able to try this on i'm gonna have to bring an attendant or a friend or a friend attendant and it's just not realistic for me to do this on my own but i was at the mall i had time to kill Mm -hmm. and i was like just kind of roll the dice, you know? Yeah, we're, we're, like, what's the worst that could happen? Right. I suppose you could have ended up, like, in a straitjacket situation where you're stuck in a suit in a way that could have been harmful to you somehow. But that would have at least been funny. <laughs> well, so the first person starts trying to put the jacket on me. And I think they just got nervous, understandably, because, you know, in hindsight, it's bold, but also... Like, there is a level of it that's maybe selfish or mischievous is a good word, but there's, like, a blind spot to me where I I wasn't necessarily fully empathizing with how it would make the person feel that was helping me. No, you were just focusing on carrying through with the the task, right? Yeah, and and there was a moment where they were helping me, and they were super willing and able. Like, I, I definitely was trying to judge their openness right from the gate. But like, you know, working in retail, it could have been very forced and fake. 
Uh-huh. And they would say, yeah, yeah, I can help you, no problem. But then they start doing it, and I could I could really sense that they were getting uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But I had one arm in already and another arm halfway in. And they were afraid of pulling the, the arm too much. They didn't want to rip the coat, and they didn't want to break my arm. Hold on, did you say anything to them to put them at ease when you sensed that they were uncomfortable? The whole time. The whole time I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, this is great. Honestly, this is great. Like, you just have to do this. You're almost there. Like, the whole time. <laughs> but you're like all of a sudden saying all these like motivational platitudes. Hang in there. You'll, you <laughs> can do it. I'm just cycling through posters I've seen in doctors' <laughs> waiting rooms. <laughs> right, exactly. You're like, impossible is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you can do anything if you set your mind to it. I just started playing a Tony Robbins documentary. And I was like, this will get you through. It got to the point where they were like, you know what? Let me go get the tailor because they're more experienced with stuff like this. Oh, fuck off they are. (laughs) Yeah, tailors all like frequently have uh, family members with uh, SMA. (laughs) So he's like, trust me, he's dressed millions of disabled guys before, I'm sure. (laughs) Just by nature of being a suit man. Yeah, he trains on the disabled mannequins in the back of the store. (laughs) (laughs) What are disabled mannequins? Just mannequins where there was a like manufacturing error? (laughs) Yeah, just like real life. Just like they put a limb on backwards or like (laughs) send them to the inclusive gap or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, like the mannequin has like a flaccid neck or something misaligned hips imagine they made like mannequins with tight hamstrings <laughs> anyway sorry <laughs> just <laughs> people people with cerebral palsy like we have super tight hamstrings mannequins and, don't have muscles what are you talking about i, <laughs> I don't know like the mannequin just like my legs are sore you just push a button you pull a string out the back and it just goes i'm standing for a while and now my legs are sore <laughs> So he goes, gets the the tailor, the pro. Imagine the tailor was in a power chair. That would have been the best plot, plot twist ever. The funny thing was, there was like a pause between when he went into the back room and uh-huh. when they came out together. And I, the whole time was like, I wish I could hear this conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Like, can you imagine like, okay, so there's a guy there that wants to try in a suit. Okay, what's the what's the problem? Well, like I've been trying to help him get it on, and it just doesn't fit. Okay, so try a bigger size. Well, no, it's like he's in a wheelchair, and I'm trying to like help him get it on. I was like, oh, okay, so just make sure you get one that isn't too long at the back, and it's just like a whole. And he's like, no, I'm going to need you to come out and just see the situation. Like I'm going to need your help. <laughs> so anyway, he comes out. He's super nice. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm. This will be fine. Like, what, what do we got here? Like assessing the situation as yeah. I'm like half in one sleeve, and he makes quick work of it. The funny thing is, the jacket's too small. Aww. So after this whole thing, he's like, yeah, so we're gonna need a bigger jacket, and I'm like, I'll just take the next size up. We're not gonna like go through this whole process again. And did the next size up 
fit you? It ended up working. It was honestly a little bit too big. I think that the first size was probably good. It just wasn't on right. Can I ask like a sexist question? I was thinking that like in my experience, like you've had male and female attendants. Are male attendants more aggressive when they dress you? Mm, I don't think it depends on their genitals. It's more some male attendants are rougher than others and some female attendants are rougher than others. Oh, okay. If I had to generalize, I still don't think I'd be able to make that generalization. Maybe male attendants are a little bit more like, um, almost like confident with their, with moving me. Yeah. Like, especially repositioning me. Yeah. I never really have issues with male attendants having a hard time moving me around. Because they're just like, I'm going to put you here now. And then they're boom. Yeah. I mean, they're just, I'm not very heavy as it is. So even a lot of female attendants don't have issues with it. But I also have more female attendants than male attendants anyway. So it's not like an equal sample size. The only reason I ask the question very, very, very anecdotally is because whenever my dad puts on my socks, it feels like he's (laughs) going to fucking break my ankles. And I always tell him this. I'm like, dad, don't squeeze my feet. They're they're not regular feet. (laughs) He's like, what are you talking about, Joe? That was nothing. And then he like puts them back on the foot pedals. They man up, Mr. Joe. (laughs) And then he goes and builds something in the backyard. (laughs) A staircase for you. Yeah. Take the stairs, Joe. You don't need the ramp. I don't know. Like, yeah, maybe. It depends on the task. It's hard to say because 90% of my attendants are women. I was thinking, like, because I thought maybe if you had a woman like Taylor, then they would have been gentler when trying to get your arms into the jacket. But again, this whole conversation is purely based on nothing and i'm just trying to spice things up (laughs) there there is something it is a little bit selfish because part of me is like this will be good for them (laughs) (laughs) and like i need to get this done so i should do it yeah but there is definitely a, a bit of a blind spot where i'm not fully appreciating the discomfort that it might be putting them in but that discomfort is no one's fault. It's just a collective inexperience. Well, it's my fault for not just bringing an attendant. Like, I don't have to put them through that. You really shouldn't have to bring an attendant. You know, if there's no risk of killing you by putting a coat on you. Yeah, like, I don't bring an attendant when I'm going to get groceries. I'll just yeah. ask someone at customer service to help me pick out the things I need. I yeah. come with a list and I know what I need and I'm organized and then they just help me pack everything up and i never feel guilty about that because that feels like their job to me again maybe i'm being selfish and or entitled i don't think anyone would call you selfish for this blazer story yeah maybe like a little entitled i don't know it's hard to say and plus people are perfectly capable of voicing their discomfort yeah i mean they could have been like i don't think that i feel comfortable doing this that's what that douchebag at fucking shopper Strugmart said to you and by the way shopper Strugmart is a fucking pharmacy meaning they for certain get people who have mobility issues in there on a daily fucking basis so that guy really was just hung over and, and didn't want to deal with you it could have been a bunch of factors like 
Oh, Tony, don't empathize. It was a shitty thing to do. <laughs> it ended up being great for me. Staples is a better choice. <laughs> it was the funnier choice. I can't believe you can literally see paper like in your <laughs> fucking photo. Like, like they wanted to sneak a fucking Staples ad into your fucking... <laughs> it's branded. It's like got watermarks all over it. Yeah. It says Dunder Mifflin or they something. They immediately added like... Will help disabled people with their passport photos. <laughs> Come to Staples if you don't mind being a fucking mascot. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's all. That's all I could think about when you asked me what was new with me. Those, those were fantastic stories. I'm so glad I asked. the The other thing, though, like I wanted to ask you is, um, are there things for which you feel embarrassment, like when you when you receive help out in public because you said that you typically are not embarrassed. You're actually quite excited to see where it goes. And I wonder if there's anything where you feel as though you're towing the line or something. Those are, I feel like those are two different questions, embarrassment and towing the line. So like, I feel embarrassed quite often when I just power through. Give me an example. Like, like I was embarrassed at getting my passport photos taken. I was embarrassed getting a suit jacket on it uh, together. Uh-huh. But it's kind of just like one side of me is like, ooh, this is embarrassing. You're so disabled. And then there's another side of me being like, yeah, but good for you for getting through this. Like, you should be doing this. This is important. You need this. You need a jacket. You know, blah, blah, blah. That's an interesting thing. So like, like saying to yourself, if I feel embarrassed, I'm probably charting new territory. Yeah, it's just outside of my comfort zone, right? Yeah. And so I, I'm very conscious about forcing myself into like uncomfortable situations because that I feel like that's like the best way to grow, right? Yeah, the best way to grow is to get your ID photo taken at Staples. Yeah, I grew so much that day. <laughs> I didn't even have to pay for the Bristol board. So that was. <laughs> Imagine they made you pay for the Bristol board. What do you think they did with the Bristol board? I don't know. Did they just put it back on the shelves. <laughs> they put it in like a discount pile. <laughs> a discount pile. <clears throat> Still, I'm thinking about the embarrassment part, like asking strangers to adjust my hand or put my head back up on the headrest. I remember one time. One time my shoe fell off and I had to ask a stranger to put my shoe back on. And the person I asked didn't speak English, but they were also the only person that stopped when I, because I kept being like, hey, excuse me, can I get some help, blah, blah, blah. And everyone would just, you can tell they could hear me, but they were just like, don't look, don't look, don't look. Uh, Or they thought me saying excuse me was like, oh, he wants me to get out of the way. Right. And then eventually one guy saw me needing help and he came up to help me and he didn't speak English, but I was like, you know, I'll take the help. So how did you mime what you needed? I mean, I looked at my shoe on the ground and he kind of pieced it together. Okay. And at first he put it on my lap and I was like, no, that's fine. And then he pointed to my foot. I think like you want me to put it on? And I was like, Uh okay, sure. It'd be like, like a movie about the two of you spending the entire day together would be so funny. <laughs> He's my attendant. Yeah. Lost in lost in translation to something, something disability. Something, something disability would be a great name for this podcast. 
<laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but towing the line, that's an interesting one. I feel like I'm very conscious about exploiting exploiting people because I have abandonment issues and a result of that is feeling like a burden. So if I ever feel like I'm asking too much of someone, then my child brain is like, they're going to leave you. Oh, Tony, that's so sad. Yeah. So like, I, I think I'm pretty conscious about exploiting. So I can't think of a time where I was, where I felt like I was asking too much, but definitely embarrassed. I, I feel embarrassed pretty often. I feel embarrassed whenever I mess something up, especially in an occupational capacity. Mm-hmm. And then I can sense the person I'm with wondering if it's attributable to my disability. You can sense it or you're projecting? I'm projecting. Yeah. But it feels very much like that's what they're attributing it to. Right. I used to feel like that all the time when I was younger and like doing internships mm-hmm. because I was working with people who were type A, like young pseudo professionals who needed everything done a certain way and were very, very competitive. And they didn't know what to do with me because they didn't know how to align my competency with theirs. So I could feel them judging me. And it took months to get to a point where interactions between us didn't feel belabored by their assumptions. And we could just be people and have open casual conversations and talk confidently in you know workplace vernacular about whatever we were trying to accomplish and that that was really hard for me but i'm so glad i went through it in that environment rather than like in my first career job tell me if you feel the same way but i feel most connected with someone once i'm able to connect with them on a level past my disability. And I know that's not like a profound thing to say. No, but that's so key. Like you connect on the basis of mutual interest or like something you're working on with them together where they, you feel like they do see you and they appreciate you for something other than disability. And then everything disability is like fair game. Even if they're talking about your disability, like they're making a joke about your disability or something. Mm-hmm. That's still, I still feel more connected in those moments. And I think it's because they're then connecting with my sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And like, that's just the fodder. Yeah. The humor is like, is everything. Yeah. It's just everything. It really is. Like, I, it's the number one thing that I've like gauge in a person is that like, if I can feel like I can make jokes that land and, I don't feel like I'm trying too hard with my jokes. Yeah, it's it's literally all I gauge. To the point where I think that like I've noticed recently it almost feels juvenile how much I care about it. Like <laughs> like it's a character flaw. Yeah, like in online dating or like they won't respond to a joke and I'm like, no, nah, over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the actual criteria. Yeah. Or like I'll send all my first messages are jokes to a point where it's like, it probably just feels like I'm not even taking this seriously. But there's a lot of pressure, I feel like, on disabled people to embrace a 
sense of humor because like we have to fucking undo all the like dour seriousness that is fucking ascribed to our yeah. experience. So we're we're desperate to tell people that they can fucking laugh because they never laugh. It's I'm so tired of that the weight of you know the supposed seriousness of our circumstance. Well, it's also like the best coping mechanism. Yeah. There's no better way to cope. It's I, I honestly think it's the only way I know how to cope, like properly. Yeah, me too. It's what saves me like when I'm low. That's definitely true. Yeah. Did this movie that we watched save you? The movie that we watched uh, was called Best Summer Ever. And I think I raised the subject of embarrassment because this movie is a musical and it's it, it heavily cribs off of uh, Grease and High School Musical. Um, and it's it has a very, very corny, sunny plot and premise. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, did the opening musical number of this movie make you feel a few waves of embarrassment? And if so, why? Embarrassment? Um... Because that's what I'm sorry, I'm projecting because that's what I felt in the first three or four minutes. And then um, enjoying this movie was the process of undoing that initial impression. Why were you embarrassed? What were you embarrassed about? I don't know. I have a significant character flaw where I don't expect to see a lot of wheelies, especially like in a upbeat performative capacity like on screen. And so when I do, I start feeling slightly embarrassed for everyone involved. Cause I know how mortified I would be if there was a camera on me and I was expected to perform in a genre and a medium that is traditionally meant for a mobile person. Hmm. Like musicals. Yeah. When I, when I think of a musical, I think of highly physical performers like, like Grace Kelly or fucking, I don't know apparently Hugh Jackman. So I don't think like, yeah, a, a wheelie would be a good fit for that. And they think, oh, they must be so embarrassed. And then I then I die for a little bit for like a moment or two. And then I just have to get over myself. Yeah, I guess I felt some embarrassment. I feel like there's another word that I don't have to describe it. But I would say on some level it is empathy, but it's also ableism. It's like a wave of like, oh, ableism for a little bit. You know what I mean? It's definitely ableism for sure. Like yeah. you, it's the same feeling I felt the first time pulling up to the table of wheelies at Carlton. Exactly. Where I was just like, it, it, you're like holding a mirror to yourself. Yeah. And all of your insecurities are just right there for you to stare at. Yeah, and it's this other thing of like, okay, so we should give some additional context. Yeah, This movie was made by a, a group of directors, I think, or creators. I can't remember. What, do you remember what, the, what it's called? The collective is called? It's like something farm. But they're the same people who made Peanut Butter Falcon. Basically, like it's a, it's a group of disabled actors and performers making a movie together so the majority of the cast of this musical is disabled and crew and the crew yeah they're all heavily involved in the production they do have a i think former broadway performer in one of the lead roles but she's uh an able-bodied cheerleader villainess it's not a hundred percent people with disabilities 
it's probably like 60 to 70 percent we don't know if, uh, if 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 the lead male love interest has like an invisible disability or something. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it, but anyway, yeah, he he has able body. But anyway, the the cast is like ninety five percent either uh, physical or like uh, physical disability or cognitive. I guess I was feeling a bit judgmental while watching this movie. Yeah, me too. Like at the beginning, I was catching myself playing like. Spot the wheelie. Yep. I played, remember I was playing the game of, I can't believe this movie is happening. And I was like, I was counting the number of wheelies that were in an individual frame because I was just like so astounded. And it it felt like for at least the first 30, the first 30 minutes while we were watching, it was like the average was three wheelies per shot. Which is awesome. And everything we've been like talking about for the last 40 or some odd episodes. Yeah. But I did feel guilty that I was doing that because, first of all, like, who am I to decide when someone is disabled? You know what I mean? Like, to try to be like, oh, he's not disabled. It's a garbage game. It is is an ugly feeling to realize that that is what you are doing. Yeah. Um, But we should stress... Like I started to enjoy this movie very quickly after a gross first impression. And when I say gross, I mean, not that the movie was gross, but that, you know, my having an inability to deal with a lot of wheelies on screen is gross. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's like something, hopefully, if this podcast can do anything for us, yeah, it is immersion therapy. Yeah. But that's but th- but that's the thing. Like in real life, we are not used to seeing a lot of wheelies in one place, unless no. unless it is like a group meeting of a local floor hockey team, or you know, I don't know, a Carlton attendant like seminar, you exactly. know, something disability related. And this is a movie in which, like, the average pedestrian existing in the world is disabled and you're like what this seems like the plot of a black mirror episode or twilight zone or some david lynch film where you're just kind of waiting for the dream logic to present itself like you're waiting for it to become less lucid because it just like doesn't seem real that fact took me on a bit of a mental roller coaster because at the beginning i was judging the movie or judging myself or uh-huh. feeling embarrassed or shameful. My insecurities were bubbling up. Yep. And then I started to get a little angry again and sort of, because I was watching the movie, right? Yep. I don't know. I was just feeling provoked because there were so many disabled people on the screen that I was like, this is impossible where are you in the world where there are this many disabled people it's unheard of like <laughs> yeah. it it like part of me was like it's pandering uh-huh. um, but then eventually i kind of came full circle and i realized that because they were just infusing it with so many types of people and so many people with disabilities into the roles yeah. that it it became funny to me because there were then rules like a police officer with CP or something. Yeah. And it's just like, that's an outrageous premise. That's <laughs> so funny to me. Yeah. Or like a mechanic 
with CP. And yeah. it's just like, obviously, I, my ableism would tell me to find a different mechanic, but in the context of this movie, it's kind of hilarious that everyone was disabled because it just like kind of makes me laugh about the possibility and the the alternative reality that could exist if disabled people were like the majority. Watching this movie is the process of being confronted by your assumptions. Like what you were saying yeah. about that, um, about that mechanic, that was, that moment was so huge to me. That's when I kind of realized that while watching this movie, I should not be evaluating the plot of the film. Right. I should be watching it for, for the meta element of how, how it was made. Like the mechanic, like appearing on screen and like having severe, severe cerebral palsy. I saw that and I laughed, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like a malicious laugh. It was genuine surprise. I was like, I can't believe they did that. Like it literally seemed to me to be an impossible circumstance. Exactly. Which is funny. (laughs) It is funny. We shouldn't be laughing, but, but I mean, that's a natural reaction to surprise. I don't know. Should we not be laughing? I, I, I don't I don't mean we shouldn't be laughing as in like laughing is uh insensitive. I just mean that it shouldn't really surprise us. Yeah. But as disabled people, we clearly harbor a bunch of perceived impossibilities about our potential. Yeah. And so when this movie like directly flies in the face of that, we're like, excuse me, movie, what are you doing? And then we can't tell ourselves that it's just like able-bodied, crea- able-bodied creators misinterpreting the situation because it, the movie is created by disabled people. So right. they're clearly making a statement. It, it really felt like some alternate universe where able-bodied people were the minority. Yeah. And that's a fun concept to explore. It's not only fun, but the movie does it well. And like, sure, sure, the plot is is largely, you know, stolen from other musicals, uh, movies in the same genre. Yeah. But what it's doing to challenge our assumptions as disabled people is really smart. And the and the 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 musical numbers, the production, the production value is high. the The lead actress at the helm of the movie is a wonderfully talented singer, and she is an honest to goodness like great lead for a romantic comedy, like fantastic. Shout out to Shannon DeVito. Cause yeah. Um, someone I hadn't heard of before this movie, the range of talents, like not only was she a great actor in the movie, she really like led the movie, but also can sing remarkably well. It was like the perfect casting for this movie. Like, We've had so many conversations where we're like, yeah, but you know, it's probably really hard to find a really good disabled actor who can also do this and this and this to satisfy all these roles. Yeah. And then I would have said that if they had cast a fake disabled person in this movie, I probably would have defended it because I would have been like, yeah, but how how could you have found a person with a real disability and yeah. who can act and who can sing, but they found it in Shannon DeVita. They did, yeah. At points, you were like affronted by her. You were like, she can open her mouth. Excuse me. <laughs> I was so annoyed. I was like, 
you could put like 10 popsicle sticks in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You were like, you see how she rests her arm? I used to do that. Oh, yeah. I would love to talk to her just mm-hmm. to try to figure out like, first of all, I don't actually know how old she is, but there were definitely little mannerisms that she had that uh-huh. I had have had over the years from, you know, the way she positions her hands and moves her hands, the way she holds herself up in her chair. I was there, but I was there like 10, 15 years ago, like a while ago. So it it definitely did give me, I was like maybe embarrassingly a little bit indignant, but mostly in awe of the whole movie. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I saw that uh, I saw myself in several of the actors yeah. appeared to have a cerebral palsy. Did you have anything similar where you were like, oh, that's exactly how I look or were almost jealous of certain things? Yeah. The male lead has a brother with cerebral palsy Yeah, and he he's given a couple jokes, a couple like decent one liners and yeah. several heart to heart conversations with the lead and just the way that he enunciates and how difficult it sometimes looks to speak. It reminded me of me and like, you know, the the way he rests his arms and he requires a seatbelt and I do too, but I ignore it. (laughs) (laughs) And like just little things, you know, where, where it's like these little universalisms about your disabled experience that probably many, many times you've blamed yourself for end up being experienced by it another person like on the other side of the planet with completely different circumstances and you're and suddenly it's like oh i don't have to blame myself for that it's clearly just part of it yeah yeah i i have a mixed bag when i see that part of me goes through that where you're just like i I feel less alone because there are other people going through the same thing and so Uh you can find some comfort in that and then part of me sort of like resents that it's like not my individuality. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, oh, this isn't a a character detail or this isn't a part of my character. It's a part of my uh, physiology. Like we've talked about my insecurity of my voice, which isn't like a huge insecurity, but it's prevalent on the podcast because I talk for hours and then listen to myself talking for hours while we edit everyone says they love your voice tony that's like number one thing like i listen to it for tony's sultry fucking voice <laughs> and, um, no but, but they do like i'm being serious to some degree they do say that a lot motherfucker uh-huh, yeah okay yeah well i'll never trust anything you've ever said ever <laughs> by the way you look like edward norton are you just trying to throw that in there to try <laughs> yeah. to like pretend that you haven't called me Steve Buscemi for months. I maintain that he's handsome for fuck's sake. I do, I do. But you also look like Edward Norton. You look like Michael Sarah. <laughs> I do not. Yep. I don't. You look like Michael Sarah. No. My shoulders are broader. Uh, recently, I've started to realize as I meet more people with my disability, my disability, um, it's mine. No one it's else. It's mine. I had it first. You. Yeah. And I meet them and we have very similar voices. 
Yeah. And so there's some comfort in that for sure, because I'm like, oh, at least I can blame it on something out of my control. Yeah. Um, but there's still like a little bit of, uh, I don't know. But don't you think most people would be numb to the way your dis- disability like affects your voice? Like, oh, any- yeah. I think it's only something that I think about. Yeah. Cause it's like one little affectation upon your presentation that really has no impact on how you come across to people. It does. I feel like it does because A, I'm very quiet and that really impacts my ability to communicate with people in real life. But you don't like, I guess you are circumstantially quiet, but in your, in the way you carry yourself, you're not quiet. Like, I don't think of you as a small voice. But I mean, like if I'm at a party and there's music playing and I'm having a conversation, I'm shouting and someone's like, sorry, I missed that. I know, but, but you know that like, when I think quiet person, I think introvert and you're not an introvert. No, I mean, I mean like decibel meter. I know. Yeah. You're, you're quieter than you would be were you not disabled is what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just a product of like a weak diaphragm and my mouth doesn't open very loud. So there isn't a large hole for air to escape. And because of that, I was honestly a little bit skeptical that Shannon DeVito was doing her own singing. I heard that in your voice. Like you sounded like me when I talk about Ryan O'Connell. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you really did sound like me. Yeah. How did it sound? I, I don't know. It was like, you want me to do an impression of you? I'm not doing an impression of you. That's exactly what I wanted. No, not happening. Why? Don't tell me you haven't practiced. No, I have never practiced your voice. That's rude. No, because I've never wanted to mock you. I only practice the voices of people I mock. No, you don't. Or people I love. Yeah, so which is it? <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I've had people do impressions of me before. It always is like, I can't stop laughing. Really? Yeah, because it's funny to hear how my voice sounds to them. And then also how they... Because obviously it can't be a perfect impression. So they have to pick a part of it that they can emphasize and then run with that. I find it very funny. Okay, well, if you're if you want me to devise an impression of you, I will. I, but not on the podcast I, right now. It's not happening. Okay, well, I'll hold you to it. You can do an impression of me if you want. Okay. We'll work on impressions of each other and get back to that. So, okay. Yeah, so... For the record, I think it would sound probably like my Ray Romano. One thing I liked about this movie, moving on, Mm -hmm. is that it wasn't trying to be anything that it wasn't. You know what I mean? Like it just, it was like, we're a cheesy high school musical type movie. Yep. And we're here to give disabled people a platform Uh and create with them for them. And that's it. Take it or leave it. And they just kind of ran with it. In a in a great direction, but they they weren't trying to infuse it with like any sort of pretension or they never used the word disability. Right. That's a great point. Yeah, no one ever stops to say like this is the problem that I this is why I'm in a wheelchair. Because if they did do that, the whole movie would be people explaining how they became disabled or what yeah. their condition is. So they just dispense with all of that. That's why you weren't in the making of the movie. <laughs> Because it would have just been everyone's detailed about their background. <laughs> yeah, and what street they were on when they went to shoppers. 
No, that's a great point. I thought of that too. They never acknowledge that there's even a disability adjacent. There's a couple jokes like she has a boyfriend, yeah, but it's never even implied that they're saying because she's in a wheelchair. Yeah, and there's like whatever problems are posed in the film, the disability is never an obstacle. That's right. Even the main antagonist like doesn't do anything to stop um, Shannon's power chair yeah. or like, you know, be an asshole in that way that you might expect. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. That's really cool. I think like that's one of the biggest things this movie did, right? There should be more content with disability in it that isn't about disability. We're just a person happens to be disabled in the movie. That is happening more and more, but it's always like a little bit character. Usually it's a character actor. Like there aren't, obviously there aren't many big name disabled actors as we've discussed over and over and over. Well, it's a tough one, right? I know. I actually kind of hate that RJ Mite is the first name that comes to mind when I think recognizable person with cerebral palsy. Well, what about Ryan O'Connell? Oh, Yeah. Sorry, I, my brain filters him out because I'm so mad at him for, for various offenses during his excellent TV show that everyone should watch. For the mirror he held in front of you? Yeah, for the fucking mirror he held in front of me. Yeah. Yeah, well... He's like... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> just get on another Ryan rant. Well, he's immensely talented. Like, I'm not trying to discount the guy. It's just like... No, I get it. We've, we've hashed it out fairly well. I think you've given humanity to your perspective thanks but the one downside to having disability in a movie but not acknowledging it Uh is that you're not acknowledging it you know what i mean like yeah i i love i love that they're doing that and they're infusing it with disability but they're not making that like the crux of the movie yeah but at the same time we want there to be a dialogue about disability and when they're literally not talking about it, it's a little harder to have the dialogue. Like you and I can have the dialogue, but sometimes I value movies where or they just confront it. Someone's disabled and there are jokes about the disability, similar to the last movie we watched, right? Well, there's so many characters in this film that are likable and interesting performers that you want to hear about that side of their life because like you're, you respect them and you're also envious of them. Yeah. Like I want to know more about Shannon and the woman who plays Nancy. Right. Her friend who uh, is a, she's a waiter at a restaurant with CP, which is something I could never imagine for myself. It kind of reminds me of the, um, the bit character in Deadwood, like Al Swedgen had a, uh, a bartender who had CP. I love that uh, show. And also just the way that they treat her on that show. I thought you were going to say, I love that disability. What, cerebral palsy? Yeah. I don't love it, sadly. Ooh. But anyway, um, yeah, I really like Nancy. She's hilarious. There's a, there's a scene in the movie where the main antagonist cheerleader uh, breaks her arm in order to to stage like an embarrassing situation for Shannon. It's like super slapstick physical comedy. Yeah. And, you know, it's no secret that I love slapstick humor. 
Yeah. But it's done so well where it's, uh, I mean. Haven't we always said that we wish that disabled people could participate in more slapstick? Yeah. And of course, like a musical is an appropriate place for that to occur because right. the physical component of slapstick is very, you know, parallel to song and dance. There were a lot of moments in this movie, and some of them we've clipped, but there are moments where listening back to the clips doesn't give it justice. No. Because there's so many visual cues, too. Yeah. And also, the context of the movie up until that point really helps frame the scene and frame the jokes. There are some jokes that I think are funny regardless like when that when that guy says hi to the attractive cheerleader antagonist, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah. like blows him off. Yeah, and that's funny because well, I can probably play part of it. Yeah, please do. Let's get a look at this new girl. Blow me! <laughs> like it's just like the evil cheerleader is walking uh, in the hallway of the high school, and she finds that there's this pretty new girl at the school who claims to be dating uh, the male lead, obviously the quarterback who is famous by virtue of his athleticism. And she's like, who the hell is this bitch? I have to go take a look at her. And while she's walking down the hall, just this guy at the school, just a random student who has CP because this is the movie best summer ever. He's just like, Hey Beth. And she's like, blow me motherfucker. And I love that because Nobody would say that to a disabled person in a movie before this movie. Exactly. Like I just I I that's just so funny to me. And also a disabled person would never have their arm broken and a, a bunch of never have I ever seen this before would happen. To me the gauge of whether we've made it with disability is like if I could approach a girl and ask her like out or you know, flirt with her or something. And she shuts me down almost aggressively. <laughs> like calls you a pig. <laughs> yeah. I would feel like we've made it because she's just treating me as a person. But a lot of the times when I'm out in public, my friends would be like, go and talk to her or whatever. And I don't do it partially because I'm just embarrassed and scared. But part of it is because I'm just anticipating that reaction where someone's like, Oh, that's so cute of you to come over here. Yeah, sure. I'll give you my number. No problem. Yeah. And like, that's not the thing I'm looking for. That That is like, that's the worst case scenario. Exactly. I'd rather you spit in my face than do that. Seriously. Yeah. I Like, this is a pretty, I mean, I guess like an edgy statement, but. You like being spit in the face? No, no. Part of me has thought that if we ever get to a point where a high-profile disabled person is canceled... We've made it? Yeah. and I Oh, so that's why you're trying to cancel Ryan. No, I'm not trying to cancel Ryan. <laughs> no, but I just mean that, like... Because you just get the sense that the able-bodied world is feels uncomfortable holding us accountable. And in that exactly. sense, we'll never, we'll never be treated like adults. Yeah. And so if you can hold us accountable, then we're on some sort of level playing field to some extent right disabled people can be assholes and not only that but we might be assholes just to provoke you because we're so tired of you assuming that we are you know harmless we have to go through that realization with everyone we get close to there's always a moment in a close friendship or 
you know, acquaintance where sometimes you will be a bit of a difficult jerk with someone because life is life and it's hard and it happens. You're a person. And so when the first time you're a jerk to someone who you're close to, and jerk is a quite a broad term. If I wake up on the wrong side of the bed and I'm grumpy and I show some a bit of inconsiderate something to someone first thing in the morning and they're surprised because they expect me to always be agreeable. That's what I'm talking about. Something like that. Yeah. And it like we have to go through that with our friends all the fucking time. It's like in my performance review, I, I swore lightly and my boss was shocked. Meanwhile, my coworkers know me to use, you know, strong language all the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a little different in work settings because everyone hides their true self at work. And yeah. You're sort but, of filtering it. And yeah. so when their filter breaks down, I think that's shocking regardless of your disability. Yeah. But I know what you're saying. Like, I don't want it to be surprising when society realizes that disabled people are people and they have the full range of human emotions and human reactions. Because I think so many people still hold disabled people on this pedestal of inspiration and then you're you as a disabled person are a dick one time then people are like well that's not the portrait of you i wanted to have in my head yeah that doesn't make me feel inspired when you're just like everyone else it's like honestly a little bit of a shock for them and i think it it's a bit of an affront to their idea that they painted but also the thing that they hold you to shatters. Back to the movie, though. I mean, it's one of those movies, again, where I'd rather people just go watch it because, you know, we do have some clips. I just don't know how they're going to play without... Like, you're just missing so much context. And Yeah, the um, this movie is all about um, the vibe of the ensemble. Yeah. So to like explain the plot or to deconstruct it that way just kind of won't really convey what's appealing about it. Yeah, the plot is super basic. It's very fundamental, but you realize that that doesn't really matter when its focus is sort of elsewhere. Yeah. I didn't get anything from this movie's story, but I got more from the assumptions that it was attempting a challenge. Exactly. And and so in in that sense to me it's it's very valuable. Not to mention that there is a lot of talent on display. But that's a weird... I I can't really think of any other movie that I've received this way. In what sense? Well, like where I don't value it for the story component, but rather, you know, the the meta aspects of its production and mm. the the sort of vibe of its ensemble and characters. I think that's kind of how I felt about Come As You Are, but... With this movie, I feel it so much more because it's real and authentic. See, I felt strong parallels between this film and Crip Camp because of the fact that it is constantly apparent that everyone behind the camera and in front of it is disabled. And so in that sense, it's very uplifting. But I liked Crip Camp right away. Whereas this movie, I had to get over that initial wave of discomfort. 
what CryptCamp was never trying to sell you on any sort of fictional premise or anything. Mm-hmm. Whereas this movie, for me, I'll admit it's a tough sell anytime there's a musical, even though I love singing and I love music and I love parodies. For some reason, musicals just always feel contrived and cheesy. And so I have yeah. a hard time buying in. Yeah. And so I felt that with this movie. But yeah, as soon as you realize the authenticity of it, it's a win. It is. Yeah, it definitely wins you over very quickly. And I don't know how I could recommend this movie to other people. Like I can't picture myself telling my guy friends to watch it. Yeah, I thought about that, too, because it's not the movie that I'm like, again, the plot is. Man, we had some big laughs, though. Right. You know, like we had a great time with it. We are laughing at it for reasons that I think come from our life experience and uh-huh. our own set of context that we bring to the movie. Yeah. Whereas like any of my able-bodied friends, some of them at least like depending on how well they know me or no disability, they would definitely get something out of it. But if it wasn't for the disability aspects of the movie, it's not a movie I'd ever watch. Well, no, but the dis like what it does with disability is the point. Exactly. I also loved how they show you that. Like the whole time, like we said, they don't talk at all about disability. And then at the end of the movie, in sort of this hazy moment, you don't even realize what's happening. They turn the camera around to the crew and they show all the crew with various disabilities. And the way that they did that, it wasn't like, look at what we're doing. It wasn't like, it wasn't trying to be inspirational. It was just slice of life, a peek behind the curtains. It was just so grounded. Like I said, it felt like Crip Camp. Yeah. Like there's a sense that a community made this film. Yeah. Uh, and there were there were considerations made all along the way as to the strengths and limitations of the actors. And it was made from from a place of authenticity um, with a very specific and unique purpose. Do you think able-bodied people would be able to watch this movie and appreciate it for the same things we saw? I, I don't. I don't know. I really don't know. I think yeah. if we watched it with them, they would get it. Because even the moments where we were laughing, I, I don't even know if I'd be able to explain why I think it's funny to an able-bodied person. Yeah. Like the one scene with the cop, I keep th- I can't stop thinking about we it. We watched it like four times. We did, yeah. Because this... Like the the main villain of the of the movie tries to get Shannon busted for her mother's her mother's growing pot like around the back of their house, mm-hmm. and so she sends the cops to Shannon's place. And Shannon's coming home from school, and this officer is grilling her about the fact that she's using a lot of like power on the grid or whatever. So there must be some kind of grow off happening, and so he follows like this power cord. And this guy has cerebral palsy, so he he's walking without a mobility aid, but his left side is like more spastic and weaker than his right. And he's got this like 
the same thing that I have where his left knee like goes inward, but his right tibia and everything below the knee moves outward. So he's kind of shifting. Like his gait is really odd. It's much like my gait. And I can, I'm watching him do all this work just to walk. Yeah. He looks like, like generally speaking, probably uses a scooter. Yeah. Maybe even a three-wheeled scooter. Yeah, if he if he swallows his pride, probably a power chair. I mean, he might he might use a manual chair, but generally, if your uh, if your left side is like demonstrably weaker than your right, it's a lot harder to use a chair, even if you have the range of motion. Yeah, you just keep going in circles. Yeah, or it's like so much fucking work. Yeah, like it's it's a work of a different variety. I would honestly just prefer to use a K walker, but I'm watching him do all this work. And he's like, his line readings are good. He's a good actor. Like he's selling the scene. You know, Shannon is uncomfortable. Like she really does look like she's about to lose her home or be evicted or something. And, you know, he's grilling her. And then he finds this power cord. And there's a moment where he almost looks like he's hanging on to the power cord for relief from the labor (laughs) of walking. And you're like, holy fuck, this guy, like this is a lot of work. And I wonder how long this took. And I just, again, the idea of like an, like an intimidating authority figure being a person with CP walking without a mobility aid and busting a grow up and like the police sending this guy out to solve this problem. Like in my head, I'm thinking like, I'm trying to think of this as the real world. And it's not, it's a parallel universe where yeah, disabled people do what they do and they have important roles in this world and it's making me realize how fucking ableist i am and and stupid that i just think that this is an implausible situation well it made us laugh but again like i don't think like even if we told able like we're telling able-bodied people right now yeah listening to this yeah why we thought it was funny and i still don't know if they'd be comfortable laughing I know. I know. And it, it's 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 just the surprise of it. Like, I can't believe they did this. So I think that's, I agree with you, the comparison between this movie and Crip Camp. I think it's because it's for us, by us. And you can really feel that. Like, it was, sure, able-bodied people can get something out of it, especially <laughs> if you are actively trying to better understand or empathize with the disability community but ultimately it's not for you no it's not it's for us it is for us and that's the other thing that is embarrassing about this movie when you first start watching it because you're like oh they made it for us that is not a thing that happens right like excuse me what the fuck and so you're like how do i receive this it's like getting a gift and you're not expecting it and you feel like you need to pay it forward immediately yeah it's a strange phenomenon and like if shannon were on the show right now and we told her that we laughed at this scene i wonder if she would get it like i wonder if she also understands the this the shock value i i can see the argument i don't agree but i can see the argument that it's offensive to laugh but i I, but i know that struggle though like i'm laughing and i know his struggle yeah, so we're not we're not punching down, as they say. I don't think we're punching down. No, but 
still, are we laughing with them is the hard question. Because I don't think, there were definitely scenes that were meant to be funny. And those scenes were funny. Like when uh, Nancy is it, just her arms uh, slammed in the door. That's meant to make you laugh. And it's so funny. Oh my God, I fucking almost peed. (laughs) It's so funny. But the cop or like the mechanic... Yeah, I, I didn't, don't know. I didn't laugh at the mechanic. I was just like, what? What? Yeah, that's How true. long did they have him under the car? <laughs> right. Like, for me, it was like, would I take my car to this guy? <laughs> Which, by the way, is ridiculous. Because, like, you know, I, I, I mean, like, a, a person with se- severe cerebral palsy could theoretically be a very good self-directed fucking car mechanic. But it's just yeah. never like if I found out that it, that a person in CP was like in fucking trade school, I would be like, "Excuse me, what are you trying to prove?" I would be like offended at first. It's not just because he had a disability; it was just like, "Are you gonna be able to tighten the lug nuts?" You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but but we should be the last people to be skeptical of this and and yet we are. And so again, that is what this movie, like in a way, this exercise is more challenging to us than like, you know, some very quote unquote important movie about disability. Right. There's no way to avoid it. You can't hide in the plot or in the other characters because the whole movie is just, a bunch of representations and different forms of you. Mm-hmm. And if you're not ready for that, you're going to have a bad time. Excuse me. Yeah. Like totally true. Totally true. And I still had a great time, but there were moments where I felt my own ableism come through. For sure. And like hard. It, it, it's a good realization because, you know, I got work to do. <laughs> but yeah. It's not a great feeling when it's happening. No. When I, when I would uh, use my K walker around Carlton, uh, our friend Andrew would call me Clip Claw because of the sound of my very deliberate and very calculated individual steps on the ground. <laughs> and I was thinking about Clip Clop when I was watching this fucking guy without a mobility aid, like sauntering down a hill, yeah. holding on for dear life to a power cable. Yeah, I had a funny thought. Imagine this movie got into some kind of controversy because of some attendant related thing. Cause remember when we watched Crip camp, we were like, Oh my God, the ratio of attendance to people in wheelchairs at this camp must be at least one to one, possibly even two to one. So I was like, imagine this movie got busted for like, you know, having an attendant sweatshop, like in the back. Just like one PSW for all these wheelies. <laughs> yeah. 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 Eventually like the wheelies are just like, is there anyone that can help me eat? <laughs> the other disabled people are helping them eat. Yeah. Or like just the idea of like a group of disabled like starlets having that like uh, that limelight entitlement okay. and just not treating their attendants well. I said wipe my ass with warm water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Or like or like that panning shot around the film and around the crew at the end of the movie like there's like one single frame of like a beleaguered attendant with ptsd in the corner being like i never should have took this gig finally it's over (laughs) finally it's over it's funny to think about that but i genuinely believe 
that this movie knew what it was doing. I think that the production company, uh, so the production company, I forget the name of the camp. We'll put it in the show notes, but they are a camp. We should watch the documentary that they did about that camp. For sure. But it's just another camp like Crip Camp where this is what they do. They understand disability and they made the movie. And so I, I would be surprised to find out that it didn't, it didn't take care of the cast and crew. Oh yeah, that was just a joke. Yeah, I know for sure. But I feel like it was important to, you know, make it clear that we don't think that we, we respect the shit out of this movie for sure. Yeah, like in terms of just pure respect for the mission that we're on together, it's Crip Camp followed closely by this movie. It would be. It's kind of like, and I was going to say this earlier, and this is super nerdy and stop me if I'm being ridiculous. But like it, when I watch Blade Runner, uh-huh. like that movie we're is, a, is a, we're, <laughs> we're out of time. just like, it's just such a huge accomplishment for the science fiction genre. Yeah. And just like what it does in terms of world building, it so vastly exceeds the sum of its parts. And I feel like this movie does that from a, from a surprising dimension, like upon first view, it's maybe not that obvious, or if you're not the intended audience, it's not obvious, but it's a huge accomplishment. It's a huge accomplishment. My biggest fear is that it won't resonate with the able-bodied community, but no. at the end of the day, they've had enough movies made for them. Oh, for sure. They don't need another one. This no. one's for us. No. And if you can watch this movie and laugh at parts of it, then I think you and I are doing our job of like helping people understand what makes disability funny, what makes it intriguing, what makes it unique. So if you can get even close to what we got out of this movie, then arrogantly I'll say we're doing the right thing. It makes me want to see more movies made by them. Yeah. Like of within other genres, maybe some heavier dramas that all involve wheelies, but again don't even say the word disability like that should be like the one rule of the company like everything we do like you know how pixar has these like tenants of movie making they follow for every film be the same thing for these people i i would watch everything that they do like eagerly if only just to see like the mirror held up to me and go through again that exercise of saying to myself this is impossible and then doubling back and being like okay well why 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 is that offensive when it is so clearly not offensive? You know? Well, realistically, I feel like if this was representative of the real world, you and I would have a way easier time on the oh. dating scene. Because oh, fucker, it, it would be amazing. We don't have to talk about disability anymore. You just yeah. go outside and you witness it, and then it becomes naturally normalized to you. Yeah, it'd be funny to like like see an able-bodied person in this reality and be like, dude, what happened? <laughs> we should do like a Truman show where like we make everyone disabled except one person. And then we just follow them around, looking around, like trying to figure out if they're the only able-bodied person. And then they have to like try to figure out if they're disabled. I'm trying to think of a pun on the Truman show that's wheelie related. Of course you are. Sorry. Do you have have one? I don't. I can't think of it. Um, Yeah, I got nothing. If we think of it, 
We'll add it to the show notes. Yeah, okay. Should we end it there? That's where it ends, baby. That's where it ends. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. One flew man over the cuckoo show. No.